Yes, here we go. It's time for the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzee Vasugi, and thank you guys for listening to a pretty big episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Uh, there's really no other way to to, to to enter this podcast, I guess. Uh, it's funny. I, I woke up Thursday uh, before going to work. I, I was creating a rundown, and I thought to myself, what the hell am I going to talk about uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs? Because this is the last podcast we're going to do for a couple of weeks. Going to take some time off. And sure enough, the Chiefs have a very interesting Thursday. Uh, crazy shenanigans! They, uh, what do you what do you say about this? This is this is mind boggling. Uh, this is very unheard of. I gave the Buffalo Bills franchise some crap because they did this shortly after the draft, and then here we are in the middle of June, getting close to the end of June, actually. And the, the Chiefs pulled this move. I mean, we're OTAs and mandatory minicamp all over. Training camp coming coming up in about a month. And the Chiefs fired John Dorsey, uh, extending Andy Reid's contract. Now, look, uh, it's it's not that it's not as if this is a it's not like this is a major surprise given what's happened this offseason, but it's not something we expected either. So I'm kind of torn. As to how I feel about this, everyone's been asking me on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Farzine, how do you feel about this? Are you shocked? Did you see this coming? I, I, it's weird because I, I can't say I'm I'm shocked, but I didn't see this coming either. Because if I didn't see this coming either, you would say that I, well, then you're surprised by this. But given what has happened, I, I guess there are valid reasons. Right now, there's a ton of speculation as to why this happened. So. Even by the time this podcast come, comes out, there may be a few rumbles about what happened behind closed doors, why this move happened, the whole Jeremy Macklin thing, what, what happened there, did that play a role, and John Dorsey getting let go. There are a lot of missing pieces right now to the puzzle as to why this happened. And listen, generally, you, you hear the same thing, uh, oh, well, we, we thank this person for their contributions. We wish this person the best. We think it's the best for him and for us. It's That's all you get from these press releases. I'll still read the press release later today uh, or in the podcast for those who want to hear it. But, I mean, this is, this is just unexpected. Now, listen, we all know that Andy Reid, the way he operates a football team, he's got some control. He's got some power for this franchise and keep in mind he was hired before John Dorsey was hired Andy Reid was hired if I'm not mistaken the same day John Dor- or pardon me Scott Pioli was fired so this to me this shows you how much power Andy Reid really has we're going to get into all of this in just a moment I have my reasons as to why I think John Dorsey was let go, but man, I, I heard the news about Andy Reid getting extended, and then John Dorsey a few minutes later getting let go, and I thought, wait a minute, did I did I read the Andy Reid story correctly? Because generally, you never see a, a head coach stay and a general manager get let go. If a general manager is doing well, if a head coach is doing well, then the other gets praised as well for, for their duties. I mean, this is all, there are so many machinations 
that take place in these kinds of things for a franchise. I guess it's kind of like what I what I say with football: and off a good offense helps a defense, and a good defense helps an offense. The same thing in, in, in sports: a, a good head coach helps a general manager, and a good GM helps the coach. Uh, but that that doesn't seem to be the case in this situation. And I think we all remember the days where we were all crying for the Chiefs to let Carl Peterson go. We were so excited for the Scott Pioli edition. We all thought that was a home run for the Chiefs. And then, uh, I mean, we had we had banners flying over the stadium begging for the Chiefs to let Scott Pioli go. And now here is... Another another situation where the Chiefs have fired their general manager. It hasn't even been 10 years since Carl Peterson's departure in Kansas City. And in, in less than 10 years, the Chiefs have fired Carl Peterson, Scott Pioli, and John Dorsey. Think about that for a minute. In less than 10 years, you have fired Three general managers. If if I was, if I was uh, okay, you know what? I'll just use the Canadian Football League as an example. I know nothing about the Canadian Football League. I don't know who's good in the Canadian Football League. I, I don't. I don't know which teams are great. If you told me that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are they still a franchise in the CFL? I think they are. If you told me that the Rough Riders had fired their GM three times. Within the last 10 years, I would have said there's no way that team would have gone to the playoffs. If they're constantly firing general managers, odds are they're also changing head coaches often, which the Chiefs have done some of that the last 10 years. You've gone from Herm Edwards to Todd Haley, Romeo Cornell to Andy Reid. Four head coaches in 10 years, not necessarily the most ideal. But keep in mind, I'll also add in the fact that Andy Reid has had the longest tenure here in Kansas City among the other three coaches I just mentioned. But to go through that many general managers within a decade, I would have said there's no way that a football team would be going to the playoffs. And I'm only using the CFL as an example because I don't know anything about the CFL. I obviously know about the NFL. If if someone brand new who did not know anything about Football teams, in terms of their success, if they if they knew about, let's just say someone was completely oblivious to the NFL, they followed all sorts of football leagues, arena, indoor, college, the CFL, if they followed all those leagues, but they just didn't know a single thing about the NFL, if they were introduced to, to all the 32 teams, and if you told them that the Kansas City Chiefs had fired three general managers within the last 10 years, that fan would put down money and say, look, there's no way that this Chiefs team has gone to the playoffs in the last 10 years. And why wouldn't you think that? Now, obviously, the Chiefs have gone to the playoffs a few times within the last 10 years. You've gone three times in four years since Andy Reid's been here. You barely missed the playoffs in 2014. You went to the playoffs one year with Todd Haley and uh, Scott Pioli running things in 2010. So surprisingly enough, the Chiefs have had some success, yet here they are firing general managers left and right. It's 
look, sure, maybe you can get away with that and make the playoffs, I guess. Obviously, the Chiefs have found a way to, to make the playoffs despite going through three different general managers. But perhaps this is why you have not won a Super Bowl yet, or at least not since 1970. Now, sure, Carl Peterson was here for a very long time, and I think at the rate, the way the Chiefs were going, everyone thought that John Dorsey was going to be the next Carl Peterson in terms of the amount of time he was going to spend here in Kansas City. I want to get to your guys' comments because you guys had a lot to say on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash and Give that page a like and interact with me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I mentioned this last podcast as well. This is going to be the final podcast we have until about the second week of July. So it's going to be a while. Uh, going to take a bit of a break from podcasting, as well as my other podcast, the Cage Zone Podcast. One quick note, if you are an MMA fan, I do want to let you know I'm, I'll be interviewing James Krause, a UFC fighter and a coach uh, for a couple of uh, Kansas City natives in the area. He owns uh, Glory MMA, uh, one of the uh, MMA gyms. Out of Lee Summit, Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. And he's also a contestant on this season's uh, Ultimate Fighter. Anyway, long story short, I'll be interviewing him on the Cage Zone podcast. So if you love MMA, if you love Kansas City, if you love both, that's definitely a podcast you'll want to check out, the Cage Zone podcast. And that should be out uh, right now as well. So check it out, the Cage Zone podcast. My interview with James Krause will be on there. All right, back to Chiefs Talk. This is this to me. It's it's mind boggling the the timing of this. You don't you don't fire general managers this late in the off season. You either do it late during the regular season or early in your off season after you take a, a day or two to evaluate the season, see how things have gone. Uh, if you if you tell anyone who doesn't follow sports, if you tell them, do you think a team within ten years? Going through three different GMs, have they made the playoffs once? A lot of people would say no if they had to take a guess. So, yeah, like I said, maybe you can get away and make the make the playoffs. Sure, perhaps you can do that, but you're probably not going to get very far if you're constantly changing the GM spot, the guy who's running the organization from top to bottom. And listen, I'm not going to. I'm not saying that you should have kept Carl Peterson. Absolutely not. The Chiefs had to make their move. And now look, Carl Peterson, okay. He was, he quote-unquote resigned. Uh, let's let's not kid ourselves. We know that there was some pressure. Uh, perhaps the Chiefs forced a resignation. That's pretty much a, that's pretty much a firing. Uh, I think given uh, the relationship that Lamar Hunt had with Carl Peterson, I think Clark Hunt owed it to Carl Peterson to force him to resign. But listen, let's let's be let's be real. Let's say it how it is. It it's essentially a firing. Scott Pioli, I, I that was the most popular name in 2009 for uh for a GM candidate and the Kansas City Chiefs landed him. Uh that's not a bad move at the time. All all the other teams that needed a GM, that was their number one guy. 
Now, he's definitely done better as an assistant with the Falcons, so I think one of these days he'll get a second shot at a as a GM and, and will do a lot better than he did in KC, but given how things went there, yeah, you absolutely had to let him go as well. He went through two different head coaches. Todd Haley just did not pan out at all, and Romeo Cornell, you made that switch there, and it was just a, a disaster coaching season because... Romeo Cornell, the head coach, could not tell you why Jamal Charles only had five carries against the Oakland Raiders when he's really the only player on your team that was producing that year from an offensive standpoint. So that was a disaster itself for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you just had to make the changes there. So when John Dorsey came in, the... The excitement rose because Andy Roode was already here. You had heard the rumors that Alex Smith was coming after John Dorsey came to Kansas City. Of course, it could not be official for a while because free agency had not started yet. So when you heard some of the changes that the Chiefs were making, everyone was ecstatic. People thought that this was going to be the new Carl Peterson and Marty Schottenheimer, except... It was going to translate into a Super Bowl ring and bringing the Lombardi Trophy as well as the Lamar Hunt Trophy to Kansas City. All right, now, I mentioned I I, I think I have my reasons as to why John Dorsey was was let go. And it's funny because I was thinking about this Thursday morning on my way to work uh, on 610 Sports Radio. I was listening to Fesco in the morning and they talked about Derek Carr potentially receiving a big contract, which eventually he did. He got that monster contract, which I do want to get to later on. And they talked about how the Chiefs have spent so much money on guys like Eric Berry, Justin Houston. Alex Smith has received perhaps more money than he, he should should have, should have be receiving or should have received uh, from the Chiefs uh, this far. The Chiefs have been giving some of their players a ton of cash. All right, this is according to OverTheCap.com. So for 2017, Justin Houston set to receive more than $22 million. Alex Smith, almost $17 million. Everyone else is below $10 million. If you want to know the order, Eric Fisher, close to $9.5 million. Tom Bahale, just about $8.5 million. Benny Logan, newly acquired player already in the top five for the Chiefs' salary, is very close to $8 million. Mitchell, Sh- Mitchell Schwartz, pardon me, he is almost at $7 million. Then it goes Alan Bailey, Ron Parker, Travis Kelsey, Eric Berry, uh, right at $5 million. So I'm not going to re- read the rest of it. Dustin Colquitt, $4.9 million. Uh, he's great, but when you're paying someone that much just to show up on occasional fourth downs to punt or to hold a, a football for field goals... Gosh, I, I just think you're spending way too much money on on a special teams player just to punt a football. And, and look, I'm not saying it's easy to punt a football, but for for doing just one simple thing, uh, I just think it's a lot of money being spent on. 2018, let's go to that. Alex Smith, and again, we, we can have a debate here as to how long Alex Smith has left with the Kansas City Chiefs, but set to make $20.6 million dollars. Houston, $20.6 million. Eric Fisher, very close to $14 million. Eric Berry at $13 million. Derek Johnson, a little more than $10 million. Uh, same with Travis Kelsey, just a little more than $10 million. D. Ford, 
at eight point seven million. Tom Bahali again at eight and a half million. Uh, Alan Bailey right at eight million, and then uh, similar players that you heard before: Mitchell Schwartz, Ron Parker, uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. He was of course given a contract extension earlier this offseason. Uh, Daniel Sorensen as well. Uh, also on that list, uh, among some of the top players, Marcus Peters. Hey, that's a player who you've got to you've got to keep on your team. You're going to give him a long term deal. Uh, you've got to have him, him and Eric Berry, e- arguably the best cornerback safety duo in the NFL, and you've got to keep that duo together. I, I think that's a big reason why I said why th- this defense has been. So terrific uh, the past couple of years. Uh, you saw it with Eric Berry and Brandon Flowers, and I think this is just a better version of that. So that is 2018. I want to go to 2019 because this is where things get really interesting for the Chiefs. Again, Justin Houston, $21.1 million. Eric Berry, $16.5 million. Eric Fisher, a little more than $13 million. Travis Kelsey, $9.9 million. And again, there you're going to probably extend Marcus Peters by this time, so he'll probably be getting close to $20 million, $15 million, somewhere around there. Tyreek Hill might also be at a point at this time where... He could also be demanding a lot of money. 2020. Again, I know this is a long ways away, and you only have thirteen players who are signed through 2020. But still, looking at the numbers here, Justin Houston, 19 million, Eric Berry, 13 and a half million. Going to 2021, five players are signed. For 2021, Justin Houston not expe- not on the list right now. Again, a lot can happen from now until 2021. Eric Berry set to make $16 million that year. Could possibly be more. And in 2022, your only two players are Eric Berry and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. My point here is, there are a lot of players on this team who are making a ton of money. Listen, you've got to pay 53 players. And then you got some guys on your practice squad and even guys during the offseason who are making money. And there is a cap limit in the NFL if you have forgotten. So part of the reason I think this, this move may have happened, I just feel like John Dorsey has spent way too much money, more money than he really should have spent on some of these players. And I'm not saying... There is no value in guys like Eric Berry and Justin Houston. I remember shortly after the Chiefs were eliminated against the Steelers, a couple of Chiefs fans on on, on our Facebook page, they were talking about how you should let Eric Berry walk because you can find another safety in the draft. Yeah, sure, you can find a ton of safeties in the draft. You're not going to find someone of Eric Berry's caliber. In 2010, you got Eric Berry and Earl Thomas, two fantastic safeties from the same draft class, which is very rare. Since 2010, what safety have you seen come out of the draft, play at the same level as Eric Berry and Earl Thomas? You haven't. And if Eric Berry doesn't suffer a torn ACL in 2011, if he doesn't have those health issues like he did in 2014, then he's probably, he's a guy who makes the Pro Bowl every single year. With the exception of those two years, Eric Berry's been voted to the Pro Bowl every year. 
That's how much value he brings to this football team. But $70 million a year, is that is that really how much money you want to spend on a safety? Yeah, sure, maybe you want to spend that money on a quarterback. And again, by all means, I'm not saying a quarterback's the only position of value. Eric Berry won the Chiefs two football games. Name me a safety who can win a team two football games. Eric Berry had a huge hand in that Carolina Panthers game. If it's not for that pick six, the Chiefs don't come back in that game. If it's not for his pick six and the pick two in Atlanta, you're not winning that game either. If Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers don't turn the football over, and yes, it was a tip pass, but still, even on those tip passes, you've got to be at the right place at the right time. And Eric Berry was at the right place at the right time. If if Eric Berry doesn't come away with that pick, the Chiefs probably would have lost by more than two points against a kicker in the playoffs. So don't get me wrong. The Chiefs, John Dorsey, he retained some he's retained some great players. I just feel like he's spent way too much. Now again, there hasn't been any official articles or 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 or, or new, a tweet from really from any reporter explaining as to why he was fired. But Tom Pe- Pelissero of USA Today, also a host on Sirius XM and on ESPN 1500, he tweeted, among the issues I've heard, the Chiefs brass had with John Dorsey, Dorsey didn't get some big deals done earlier, such as the Justin Houston and Eric Berry contracts, and it cost them more money later on. Now, we follow that up and said it's not uncommon, though. Dorsey's a scout at heart and a highly respected one. People around the NFL, including close to Dorsey, are stunned by this move. Now, he also went on to say for those, uh, I mean, if you're interested in this, the last five GM firings have come on December the 30th, January 21st, March 9th, April 30th. That is the Buffalo Bills move right there. And June 22nd, six months of Black Friday, or Black Monday, pardon me. I mean, think about that. It's six different months. In December, January, March, April, and June, general managers have been fired. Now, look, December and January, okay, those are common. February, perhaps uh, that's a team that maybe felt like they, they should have made a move sooner, and it took them a little bit of time to realize that. April 30th, that's right after the draft. That was the Buffalo Bills move right there. And June the 22nd, that, of course, is the John Dorsey firing by the Kansas City Chiefs. He also went on to say, and I'm not going to get too much into this right now, but he said with Chris Ballard gone to the Colts, top in-house options are Mike Borgonazzi, Brett Veach, and you would expect Clark Hunt to run a thorough search. Here's the thing about all this. I remember when Chris Ballard moved on to the Colts, we all said to ourselves, who is Chris Ballard? What did he do? What credit does, why is he getting hired? Why is he one of the most, he was a highly sought candidate. Uh, According to uh, a couple of of NFL reporters on Twitter, uh, one of them tweeted that the top three options the 49ers wanted, Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard. The only person they wanted was Chris Ballard. A lot of teams out there wanted Chris Ballard. There are a lot of things behind closed doors 
that don't get explained as to who does what. I mean, an, an assistant that becomes a GM. Why did they become a GM? Because when you talk about, and let's just use Marcus Peters as an example. When you draft Marcus Peters, who gets the full credit? The general manager gets a lot of it. But listen, the general manager is not the only one. It's not like it's just him and that's it. He's got assistants. He's got scouts working for him who help him make these moves. Now, not all of them are in agreement. Someone may have proposed a different idea and may have wanted a different player when the Chiefs were selecting at the time. But a majority of them obviously came to the agreement that Marcus Peters was the right call there. But again, who gets a, a, a big amount of the of the of the credit? A lot of times, people just credit the general manager for this. When Chris Ballard was hired by the Colts, I was reading the press release, and the way they built his resume was as if he, it was his idea to draft some of the All Pro players that the Chiefs have have signed. Guys who have uh, big contracts right now, such as Eric Fisher, uh, such as Marcus Peters, Tyreek Hill. But again, it's not just one or two guys. I mean, you've got a full staff. You've got a coaching. Here's the other thing. Let's talk about player development, such as Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles had some of his best years, and same with Alex Smith, statistically under Andy Reid. Oh, but keep in mind, Doug Peterson was the offensive coordinator. How much credit does he get? Same thing with Tom Brady and his success. How much of that do you give to Charlie Weiss, even though Bill Belichick is the head coach? Same with Romeo Cornell. We both saw... Uh, those two coaches come to Kansas City, and we saw a different Derek Johnson. We saw we, we saw an amazing Derek Johnson evolved into an All Pro linebacker. Tamba Holly became one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Eric Berry turned into a stud, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he had Romeo Cornell as his very first defensive coordinator, and of course Emmett Thomas. Which leads me to my next point. Now you got position coaches. How much credit does Emmett Thomas get because he is a position coach and he coaches the position that Eric Berry plays. Doug Peterson for the offense. Even though Alex Smith and Jamal Charles shine so much, yeah, sure, they did it under Andy Reid, the the top dog, but what about the assistants? What about a Doug Peterson? Because when Doug Peterson goes on to be the head coach for the Eagles, guess what? They're going to talk about how Alex Smith and Jamal Charles had some of their best seasons while... Doug Peterson was the head coach. Now, sure, they may talk about Andy Reid, especially because Andy Reid was once a head coach in Philly, but you get my point here. There are so many people involved in the, the success a team will have. If if Alex Smith is having some of his best seasons statistically in Kansas City, which is the case, who do you credit? Do you credit John Dorsey for, tra- for trading for him? Do you credit Andy Reid because he's the head coach? or his offensive coordinator, or the quarterback's coach. There's so many people responsible for one person's success. It's not just one person who should be credited for for the success a team will have, or a player has. My point here is, you just fired John Dorsey, who's who's been praised for being a great scout, and for draft making some great draft picks for the Chiefs. Last year was a very successful year. No first-round draft picks, and you have two guys who played like first-round draft picks in Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones. You got a guy in Marcus Peters who probably should have been a top-five pick in 2015. Eric Fisher, okay, yeah, he was the number-one overall pick. 
didn't look good at the time because that was overall just a really bad draft class, but eventually Eric Fisher got things going. But who do you credit for that? Now you fired the guy who drafted some of these guys. So does Andy Reid get credit for drafting these guys? This is this is just here's my point here. My the big picture I'm trying to paint. The Kansas City Chiefs have had a lot of players. A lot of players that have come here and have succeeded. And when you bring in players that do well, the general manager gets the credit for it because it's usually the general managers who are recruiting, making these trades, making these these free agent signings. But there's no secret that Andy Reid has a bigger hand. If you look at all 32 coaches... Andy Reid's up there when it comes to how much power he has with his with his NFL team. And Bill Belichick's definitely up there as well. Maybe number one for Belichick and probably close number two for Andy Reid. I, I think you could say the same about Chip Kelly for how he did in terms of how much responsibility he had with Philadelphia and San Francisco. But do you, do you just not give credit to John Dorsey for all these draft picks? I think that's where I'm torn here. When I said earlier, I really don't know what to think. If this is a good move, a bad move. Because the past four years, if you've made the playoffs three times in four years, and if this regime was the one that finally snapped that postseason drought, you're probably thinking to yourself that this is a, this is an amazing head coach-GM combo. And this is a G, head coach-GM combo you want to keep for a long time. There are rumors that John Dorsey was going to go to Green, go back to Green Bay to become the general manager there. And listen, if we had to put down money, John Dorsey's probably going back to Green Bay before the month of June ends. But this is a guy who Chiefs fans were screaming for to stay here in Kansas City. And of course, he ended up staying in Kansas City. I think another interesting thing also has to do with the fact that you sign Chase Daniel to a three-year, $10 million deal. That's way too much money for a backup quarterback. And now here you are for 2017, you're paying two quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes hasn't signed yet with the Chiefs, but he's expected to make, according to a lot of websites that have these projections, more than $16 million. So, again, I know NFL contracts aren't evenly done, but let's just, for the sake of it, let's just split them up evenly. Let's just say he's making $4 million for each of the next four years. You're paying Alex Smith $16.9 million, and then you're spending another $4 million on a backup quarterback. And again, keep in mind, you, you, you traded 13 spots up to draft him, and now he's supposedly going to sit on your bench for a year? Some people think two years. That's a lot of money for a guy to just hold a clipboard that you traded 13 spots up for. And that's just two years of uh, of time being wasted as well. I just don't see the logic in that. I really don't. I know I've said that thousands of times, but I think that may be another reason. Now, things got kind of interesting with the whole Jamal Charles and Jeremy Macklin releases. Jamal Charles had said publicly that he would have taken a pay cut with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Jeremy Macklin, and I played the audio for you guys last week, was doing an interview with Mike Florio and said he was never approached about restructuring his contract. There was all this drama about how Eric Berry, Justin Houston, and Marcus Peters are not at OTAs. Yet here's Jeremy Macklin working his tail off trying to improve, and he gets let go. Let's not forget about Kavari Russell, last year's third-round draft pick, who was let go very early into the season. So you you, you let go of your third-round draft pick that... A guy who got a lot of hype, and again, I know the media's perspective is a lot different than what NFL teams have, how their view is. There, there's a lot that we don't know behind closed doors. But Jamal Charles speaking out and saying that he would have taken a pay cut to stay in Kansas City. Jeremy Macklin, to, he has spoke out saying that he he was never approached about restructuring his contract. I think, listen... We're speculating. We don't know the reason. We just see one tweet uh, from an NFL reporter saying that it has to do with how late, how long it took him to get the contracts for Justin Houston and Eric Berry put together, and that it ended up costing the Chiefs more later on. The whole insurance liability for Eric Berry because of his health and why that took so long for the Chiefs to be able to come to a contract agreement with Eric Berry it took longer than than I think most people would have thought it, it would have taken. A lot of things didn't seem to really go well. And this is why, this is why I I said early on the podcast, this is why I'm not surprised. But at the same time, I didn't see it coming. I didn't think that these things right here, overpaying Chase Daniel, not attempting to restructure Jamal's contract or Jeremy's contract, the Kavari Russell situation, I did not think those were necessarily fireable offenses. That never crossed my mind once. There's a lot we don't know. It's uh, it, there's There are a lot of stories that are going to come out the next 72 hours. Over the weekend, we're going to learn a lot Monday morning, perhaps even more. Uh, boy, it, it's it's just shocking to hear. It really is. Jeremy Macklin had uh, spoke out in another recent interview and said that he had a torn groin that was the reason why he had a setback. Now, listen, I don't know if injuries are a valid excuse to me. If you if, if you have an injury, and, and look, I'm a guy who's just sitting here and playing. I, I'll never criticize a player because of an injury because it, it, to me, if I'm criticizing a player for being injured – then I have to prove that I can do better. And I sure as hell can't. What I do want to say is, if someone's dealing with an injury, especially something that's torn, and again, NBCSports.com saying that he had a torn groin, shouldn't you be sitting out? Listen, look at Jamal Charles. We all wanted him to come back. But he he clearly had... A nagging knee issue that prevented him from coming back. And I can I can understand him not coming back. If if Jeremy Macklin was placed on IR and they come out saying, hey, look, he has a, a torn groin and is unable to, 
to compete, unable to play and give 100%, I, I can respect that. I mean, look, you can't throw a player out there if he's not 100%. And, and I know, I know, no one's 100%, especially as the season goes on. I mean, everyone's tired as hell, but if you're dealing with an injury, that's a different story. So that's the only question I have when I heard that news. But given everything that we know now, I feel like everything that I've mentioned could be a factor as to why John Dorsey was fired. All right, I promise I would read some of your guys' comments. Uh, just asking for your thoughts on the Chiefs firing John Dorsey after extending Andy Reid. Cody said, I'm in disbelief. There's more to this than they say, than they are saying. Linda said he shouldn't have left a voicemail for Jeremy Macklin. I made the joke asking if the Chiefs informed John Dorsey and left him a voicemail, letting him know that he was let go. Uh, Dan, Dan said... He has caused a lot of cap damage. My only complaint, hashtag Chiefs Kingdom. Mike says, living in Philly, I've seen this show before. Giving Andy more personnel control is a horrible, all caps, horrible idea. Dexter said, Macklin and Dorsey must have had nudes. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Joe said, uh, my only concern is why let Dorsey do all this damage, then let him go. Maybe we wanted and should have kept Macklin, just my opinion. Dexter also commented again and said we would have been fine if we never gave Smith $20 million more than he is worth. I hope I'm pronouncing this name correctly. Sienna? Uh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, she wrote, I have a feeling this has to do with the way things were handled with Charles and Macklin, and then Ryan wrote, they were trying to sign him to a contract extension too. If they couldn't agree on terms, then releasing him now instead of keeping him as a, quote, lame duck GM is a sign of respect. It doesn't necessarily mean there is acrimony between the two parties. There, there, there are so many moving pieces that we just don't know right now as to why this happened. Maybe it's one of the things I've said. Maybe it's a combination of things and, and perhaps a mixture of things that we don't know that, that have happened behind closed doors. And I, I, I do want to raise this question because Jamal Charles, not necessarily the most surprising release. Jeremy Macklin, people were shocked by that. John Dorsey, this time of year in, in late June, June 22nd, that's a shock. Are we in for another surprise? Could there be someone else that might get let go? Because I'm kind of curious. These, again, general managers get credit for, for drafting players, but we all know in Kansas City, Andy Reid has some has some GM power as, as a head coach, which not a lot of head coaches have. So you kind of wonder, of all the draft picks the Chiefs have who are still on the team, who are the quote-unquote John Dorsey guys here? And here's a question I'll ask, because I think it's a valid one. Maybe it sounds crazy, but hey, look, last week, if you told me John Dorsey was going to be let go, I would have said you're crazy. At this point, I think we should expect the unexpected. I've got to ask, what job security does Pat Mahomes have? Was he a Dorsey pick or was he an Andy Reid guy? Because every single person... Every single pro I was watching NFL Network's coverage of this. And when the Chiefs traded up, every single person on set said, 
Chiefs are going to draft Deshaun Watson. Pat Mahomes wasn't even talked. No one said his name. Every single person on the set said Deshaun Watson, Clemson. That's going to be the pick. And then Roger Goodell steps to the podium and says Pat Mahomes, Texas Tech. So, and Andy Reid got a lot of criticism nationwide by the national media for that draft pick because everyone thought that Deshaun Watson was the perfect fit and that he he was pretty much going to be a mixture of McNabb and Smith and give Andy Reid probably the best quarterback he, he would have had to work with. And listen, people are going to say, fans and the media are going to say, that maybe Mahomes was a, was an Andy Reid pick. I don't know. Uh, this is all speculation at this point. No one truly knows whose idea it was. It, it, it's hard to sit here. And again, I know we're just fans. We're we're all we're all just sitting here talking, listening, whatever the case may be. But it doesn't take a genius to know that Deshaun Watson would have been. Deshaun Watson and Andy Reid would have been a match made in heaven for football terms. And instead, the Chiefs go a different direction and pick up Pat Mahomes. So I kind of question Pat Mahomes' job security at this point. I know it's silly to say about a quarterback who's been on the team for two months. But again, given what we've seen... The past 12 months with Kavari Russell and his surprising departure. Jamal Charles, again, not that it was a major shock, but the Chiefs didn't even try to go through a pay cut. According to Jamal, he would have taken a pay cut. Jeremy Macklin, he said he was never approached about about restructuring his contract. And, and who knows, maybe leaving a voicemail to inform a player he was like, go. Oh, that might be one thing. And I do want to note that I, I did re-listen to that Jeremy Macklin interview, and he did say that he still has some love and respect for Big Red, which is Andy Reid's nickname that the players give him. He, he mentions his nickname. So there's clearly no, no animosity between Andy Reid and... And Jeremy Macklin. And I know Bob Fesco of 610 Sports has been on the podcast before. He got some grief from fans because they thought he was trying to make a big deal out of something that that was not a big deal. Because Andy Reid, when he spoke about this for the first time in front of the media, he said that it's part of the business. It's an unfortunate part of the business. And Bob Fesco said this is him essentially taking a shot at Dorsey. And everyone thought that Fesco was just trying to make a big deal out of something that that really wasn't a big deal. But now look, Dorsey's fired. The, the I remember I was listening to Sirius XM, and the top of the hour update was Chiefs agreed to an extension with Andy Reid, and then they agreed to let go of John Dorsey. Essentially, Andy Reid fired his boss. At least that's from our standpoint, the the normal standpoint of a general manager and a head coach. But like I said several times, we know Andy Reid has some power with this franchise. All right, now uh, the other 
big piece of news, the one that's not being discussed as much. It's still brought up because people notice the correspondence to this, but Andy Reid did get a contract extension through 2021. He was entering his fifth year, or is going to enter his fifth year with the Chiefs. He's 43-21 and with a 1-3 postseason record. The Chiefs have finished above 500 in all of the four years that Andy Reid's been with the football team. And that has not happened since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. So uh, definitely the right move to extend Andy Reid. I'm still torn on the whole Dorsey thing. I, I don't know if that's the right move because I don't know. No one knows exactly what happened. Now, again, maybe the thing, the things that I have brought up and then from the the tweet from Paracello, perhaps those are the reasons that he was let go. I just didn't think those were necessarily uh, uh, fireable offenses. But, again, who am I to say that? NFL owners, and again, all 32 owners have different standards. And, look, again, I know Andy Reid had a hand in this because of the power he has. But uh, this is this, – I I'm still speechless. June 22nd, and you fire your general manager. All right, this is interesting. This tweet came up uh, at some point while I was recording this podcast by Jason Cole of Bleacher Report. He tweeted, Ex-Chiefs GM John Dorsey told a source within the past two months that he was, quote, butting heads with owner Clark Hunt recently, but did not say why. Uh, a couple of fans had asked if it was because of the Macklin situation, and according to Jason Cole, this had been going on before the Macklin release. Why did they butt heads the past two months? And if this had been going on before Macklin, maybe the Macklin situation was the last straw? I don't know. But at the end of the day, uh, Boy, we have a lot of questions that are unanswered at this point. And, and, and we'll get the answers. Look, we had a lot of questions about the Jeremy Macklin issue. Not necessarily how did he find out, but we were wondering if they offered to restru- restructure his contract. And they have not said it. Of course, the Chiefs did not answer that, but Jeremy Macklin did. And we, we learned some things in that interview with Mike Florio. So uh, a, a lot of things still... Uh, Still, uh, need, 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 we need answers. A lot of things are missing right now. And at some point, we'll get them, I think. Uh, and we'll have a chance to react to those in a couple of weeks when the podcast returns. But gosh, um, th- th- this might be one of the crazier podcasts I've ever done of the Chiefs on Podcast. We're coming close to 10 years, uh, the 10-year anniversary of uh, the birth of the Chiefs on Podcast. And I've got to say, of the 10 years I've done this podcast, I don't know if I have done one that's just been more crazy. I, I did not do the podcast for a couple of years on and off. Uh didn't do one in 2012. I, I, I certainly think the Javon Belcher incident, what, what had happened there, I, it's uh, that was just a very unfortunate situation. Uh, but, but as far as on-the-field business, uh, th- this tops it. Uh, this, is, um, this is unheard of. June 22nd, you fired your general manager. And... You 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 know you don't know what happened, so uh, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, we'll get our answers at some point, but uh, boy, I'll tell you what, Clark Hunt and Andy Reid—they are going to be requested when it comes to interviews by some of the national radio guys. Uh, you, you you never hear the Chiefs 
allow local interviews, local radio interviews. I don't know why with 610 nor 810, but you'll hear them on uh, places like ESPN Radio, uh, the Sirius XM NFL channel. You'll, You'll hear them on those radio shows, but not on... The local stations, which I which I think is ludicrous uh, for the Chiefs to really have that kind of sensitivity. That's what the Royals, the Royals for the longest time were criticized for sensitivity uh, because they had been bad for so many years. But at least they had always allowed uh, managers, players, assistant coaches, GMs that have changed over the years to, to do local interviews. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I, the, the answers are going to come out at some point. They just have to. These things never stay hidden, and I think we're in for another surprise. We, there could be another roster or coach casualty. I don't know. But my gut tells me we haven't seen the end of this just yet, and there might be some of Dorsey's mess that are on the roster right now or maybe on the staff that will be cleaned up at some point this offseason before training camp gets underway. All right, well, if that wasn't enough, let's just go ahead and wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. All right, the Oakland Raiders give Derek Carr the richest contract in NFL history, a five-year deal worth $125 million. Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com says he is underpaid even with the new contract, but gosh. Look, I know he played a big hand in helping the Raiders clinch a playoff spot, but he didn't play in the playoffs because of his injury. $125 million, the richest contract in NFL history for a guy who, number one, hasn't even won a Super Bowl yet, hasn't been to a Super Bowl, hasn't won a playoff game, he hasn't even played in a playoff game, and a guy who was drafted in 2014 gets this kind of a jackpot? I just think this is way too much money being spent on a guy who, look, I'm, he's a top five QB. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if I if I think he's worth $125 million. I, I think that's a lot of money being thrown. And listen, it, it's becoming part of the norm now nowadays. We're going to see in a couple of years a different player who's going to shatter that contract. And every couple of, every year we hear so-and-so becomes the richest player or gets the biggest contract in NFL history at their position. It changes every year. There's at least one position that becomes the new richest contract for that new for that player who signs a new deal. So this is unfortunately a norm now in the NFL, and I just don't know if Derek Carr, a guy who has not even played a playoff game, is worth $125 million. All right, uh, I do want to talk about Colin Kaepernick because he had sent out a tweet. He posted a picture. Uh, of course, he has been very vocal when it comes to police brutality and what has been going on in our country uh, the past year. And he, he, he tweets a picture that says, You can't ignore history. Always remember who they are. And then with a black and white picture of a, of a police badge and then a uh, picture, another picture of a police badge in regular color. Look. Listen, I have a lot of respect for police officers, firefighters, nurses, teachers, uh, people who have big jobs where they deal with a lot of different people uh, in different ways, of course. And these are people who don't make a whole lot of money either doing what they do, helping our community. Uh, Again, all of them do it in in a different manner. Police officers, they serve and protect. Teachers, 
They, of course, teach. Nurses, I mean, they're, they're out there trying to save lives. They're, they're doing a lot of work, uh, working for doctors. Uh, I mean, and they're the, they're the legs uh, of, of doctor offices, hospitals. Uh, you, you get my idea. But Colin Kaepernick, this is a guy who's continuing to to send his message, and he doesn't does it in a weird way. When he when this all happened with him kneeling during the national anthem, he wore uh, socks of of a pig wearing a police officer uniform, and then he tweets this: "Look, people are making the case. Why why, why does Tyreek Hill have a job?" And why does Colin, why is Colin Kaepernick a free agent? Tyreek Hill, yes, did something way worse. But what has Tyreek Hill done since then? According to the Chiefs, he has followed all the all the instructions that the Chiefs have wanted him to do. He's done everything that the Chiefs have wanted him to do off the field. Kaepernick, he's continuing to send his message, and he's doing it in weird ways. Not necessarily the most clever way to deliver, deliver your message. This is why he's not signed. People thought he was going to Seattle. Well, perhaps the Seattle Seahawks knew what was up. I think Carroll knew that there's a reason why he's not signed. So that's why he didn't sign him. Not rocket science. Let's go out of bounds. Alright, this is interesting. Uh, Home Depot and Menards are being sued because their 4x4 lumbers are actually smaller than 4 inches by 4 inches. I don't know who the hell was responsible for making sure the sizes for these things. How do you mess that up? I think the better question is, who discovered this and how did they come across this discovery? There are picture, There's a picture that's going viral right now online of a measuring tape measuring the 4x4 and it is smaller than 4 inches. It's actually closer to 3 inches. Uh, man, just the things that some people will discover and will sue for money. Um, the, the one headline reads, Home Depot sued over wood sizes. That's how bad it's gotten. People are suing for that. All right, here are a couple of feel-good stories. Uh, there were a few inmates in Georgia. A sheriff, um, well, I, I guess he had uh, lost his breath and was unconscious. And instead, the inmates could have escaped. Instead, what these guys did, they took off his his body armor and started to revive him and pretty much they saved his life and each of the inmates involved in saving his life uh, their sentence will be reduced by 25% and as a matter of fact the family of the police officer whose life was saved they had prepared uh, a meal and dessert for these inmates uh, for, for of course doing the right thing when a lot of times in these cases you would have expected the opposite to have happened uh, they they even took took his phone and used it to call nine one one to let him know he was he was suffering and, and was in critical condition. Uh, he suddenly fell face first on the ground. Uh, reports say so. This is a very good feel good story, and it's nice to see that you know even though we're in a world where a lot of ne- bad things happen, uh, we're surrounded with all these negative news stories and fake news and whatnot. 
Uh, it's good to hear one of these things take place. I'll tell you what else is really good. Makes you proud to be from Kansas City. Uh, of course, as you guys know, the Royals have a big slick event that takes place at Kauffman Stadium, the big slick celebrity softball game. Uh, Paul Rudd, Rob Riggle, uh, Jason Sudeikis, Eric Stone Street, uh, David Keckner, those guys all get together. Uh, of course, local Kansas Cityans, proud Kansas Cityans. They're bringing some celebrities, a lot of great celebrities over the year of Will Ferrell, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Kurt Menefee this year. So many celebrities who are going to be coming in. Um, some of your favorite singers, actors, whoever they might be to do the uh, softball game. And, of course, they're going to go hang out at Children's Mercy Hospital raising money uh, for the hospital. It's a very special event, and the softball game is a lot of fun. takes place once a year. It's a special occasion. I've got a lot of respect for those Kansas Cityans, as well as the celebrities who come out and uh, help out at Children's Mercy Hospital. It's a very special occasion, and... I think it's really cool. It makes you be proud to be from Kansas City when you have these local celebrities that put together this kind of an organization, this kind of an event to help uh, raise awareness and raise money for children's hospitals. Something we need more of, and it really makes you to be proud of. And, and like I said, the celebrity softball game is a lot of fun. Uh, those celebrities have had already a few to drink, so they're just out there having fun, putting on a show, and uh, of course, putting on an even bigger and more important show to help raise money for children's hospitals. Final segment of the show before we sign off, let's throw our penalty flags. All right, look, I've thrown this flag before. I'll throw it again. Uh, There was a two-hour police chase in Anaheim. Uh, Police officers at some point during this chase, they tried to go for the pit maneuver, but as soon as they picked up speed, the driver also picked up speed. Look, you've pretty much got the entire Orange County on your tail. And you've got news choppers, the police in the sky. Pretty much everyone's following you. Here's my thing, and not that I would try to ever evade police, but when it comes to the point that there are helicopters following you isn't that just a sign that you need to give up i mean you've already done enough damage to the point where the media is following you with their cameras they're 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 live on social media just just give it up man there was a there was a police chase actually not too long ago i think in overland park where a guy had robbed a bank i want to say it was on 135th and state line and here's how it was a very quick chase the guy actually crashed into another car from behind and that end made him stop and it ended up just being a quick chase listen this is not a video game this is not grand theft auto 5 when you see that you're being followed first of all when they turn on their sirens you got to stop but when it comes to one two three police cars an eye on the sky or an eye from the sky, I should say. You gotta stop. <laughs> You've just gotta put an end to it right there and give up. But some people just don't want to. And uh, hey, look, uh, you'll suffer the consequences. So comes with the territory. All right, uh, there is an article out there uh, from Emory University, by, written by Michael Lewis. And he ranked all NFL fan bases and brand rankings. 
Basically, his criteria was fan equity, depending how much money fans spend on gear, merchandise, tickets. Uh, also, social media equity. Pretty much uh, how uh, how much how how much the fans follow their team on social media. And then there's also road equity, which is simply you know how much are fans willing to spend to follow their team on the road. The Dallas Cowboys, number one. Patriots, number two. Okay, a couple of them up there. The Eagles are the third. Uh, They've got the third best fans, apparently. The Kansas City Chiefs have the worst fans, according to this study. The Chiefs have the loudest fan base in the NFL. They have the record for... for the, the, The noise record for loudest stadium. Roger Goodell... Put the Chiefs on primetime six times, more than any NFL team for 2017. Why? Because of their fans. And CBS uh, Sports.com, they wrote a reactionary piece, and they were actually defending Kansas City in this. Why is why is it that the Chiefs are rated so low when they have the most primetime games for 2017, and they've got the loudest fans in the NFL? So, uh, to me... I don't know if this, uh, what was his name? Uh, so irrelevant, I can't even remember. Michael Lewis from Emory University. This The website is, uh, is a scholar blog for uh, Emory University's website. First of all, this Michael Lewis gentleman should never write an article again until he is taught how to do research. And Emory University should be ashamed that they even have this on their website. They need to just remove this from their website. This is a ludicrous study. There's there are no there are no there's nothing factual about this. I would love to know. He ranks them by by the criteria I mentioned by fan equity, social equity, and road equity. And apparently, the Chiefs don't have good social media equity. The Chiefs have the 29th best fan equity and road equity. So I beg to differ with a lot of this. Uh, listen, you cannot be the loudest fan base in the NFL and supposedly not spend money. Uh, you you have a loud fan base if you've got a packed stadium. So obviously fans are are wearing their red. They're out there spending money on tickets. Uh, you're not going to have a loud stadium with just fifty or sixty thousand fans. You had nearly eighty thousand strong that night, or on two occasions, once against Oakland and one against New England. And uh, supposedly the Chiefs are the worst fans in the NFL, according to this stupid study. This is ludicrous. This makes no sense. Uh, this Michael Lewis character, listen, uh, he's probably torched on social media by Chiefs fans. Hopefully nothing too personal is being put out there. Uh, hopefully he's got thick skin, but man, uh, this is this this is asinine. I, I, there's no, there, there's really no facts behind this. Unfortunately, I did take the time to read this article, this blog, this study, whatever the hell you want to call this stupid thing, and it is about ten minutes of my life that I will never get back. I, I, ten minutes is precious, man. I, you can do a lot in ten minutes. You can burn a few calories on the treadmill. Go for a walk. Make a make a decent meal. Man. Uh, listen, here's my thing. If people have a negative opinion about something, fine. Have a reason. Have a legitimate reason. Provide those, provide the information he had about social equity or, or road equity. Some of the dumbest things you see. 
just written by people, and they don't provide any any factual things. Listen, all the things that I speculated about John Dorsey, I at least like to think that I, I provided some legitimate reasons as to why I think he got fired, rather than just grabbing random opinions and slurring them together. All right, uh, I promised I would read the press release the Chief sent out. Uh, Clark Hunt, in his statement, says, After consideration, we felt it was in the best interest, in his best interests, and the best interests of the team to part ways now. That's just very poor English. Uh, I hope an intern wrote this. Otherwise, I I do question the Chief's uh, uh, press release department, whoever uh, put this together, because this is very poor English. Uh, or, Or maybe the quote was just bad. I don't know. Uh, This decision, while a difficult one, allows John to pursue other opportunities as we continue our preparations for the upcoming season and the seasons to come. Then we hear from John Dorsey on this. He says, I want to thank Clark, the Hunt family, and the Chiefs fans for the opportunity to be a part of Chiefs Kingdom over the last four seasons. Does he really say the word Chiefs Kingdom? And look, if you like to say that word, that term... Fair enough, but I don't know if I've ever heard John Dorsey say the words Chief's Kingdom. Anyway, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Chief's fans for the opportunity to be a part of Chief's Kingdom over the last four seasons. I believe this team is well positioned for the future. I wish Coach Reed and the players and the entire organization all the best. Uh, you, you just hear positive things that are being said in these kinds of press releases. But look, uh, as I said earlier, the truth's going to come out. We're going to get details sooner rather than later about what happened, why this ended up being the case. And guess what? A month later in training camp, the media's not going to let, let this go. They're going to bring this up to Andy Reid and Clark Hunt if he makes himself available to the media. I, I'm guessing not after this news story. So uh, this is... Um, this is interesting. Uh, you uh, you just rarely see these firings happen at this time of the year for, for NFL teams, but uh, we'll see. That's all we can say. There will not be an episode of the Chiefs on podcast next week. Instead, we will return after the 4th of July. We'll have a podcast out, and the Cage Zone podcast will also be out that week as well we will preview UFC International Fight Week and of course the big weekend with UFC 213 coming up so that's what that podcast will be but if you are an MMA fan also love Kansas City well I'm interviewing James Krause who is the owner of Glory MMA in Lee Summit and we're going to be talking to him about his season of The Ultimate Fighter as well as him coaching Megan Anderson, also a Kansas City native, originally from Australia, who's got a big fight coming up against one of the biggest female MMA fighters in Chris Cyborg in late July. So if you're an MMA fan, check that out over on the Cage Zone podcast. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone podcast. I'm Farzim Vasugin, as always, interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugin. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can email me, Farzine at Farzim Vasugin. Thank you guys, as always, listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Be sure you share it online. Always appreciated when you guys can do that. Spread the word. Spread the love. Let a friend know about the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Until then, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy the 4th of July weekend. Enjoy your summer. Talk to you in a couple of weeks.